Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Tonight, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor. We're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, tonight at 9, 8 central on CBS. Tonight, it's the CBS original comedy, The Neighborhood. I need at least a month to prepare for a debate, not six hours. Actually, it's four hours. <laughs> no, my watch is broken, too. With Cedric the Entertainer, Max Greenfield, and guest star Wayne Brady. You gotta fund the schools or graduate fools. I stole all my lines. Look, don't worry, I got a plan. Okay, well, what is it? Okay, so I don't have a plan. A new episode of The Neighborhood. You're gonna have to give them a show. Tonight, 8, 7 central on CBS. Gary Parrish, College Basketball Insider, CBS Sports Network, the Gary Parrish Show out in Memphis. He is back with us on the Technicom Hotline. Gary, how are you, buddy? I'm hanging in there. You, you doing okay? I'm doing well. Do, doing a lot better today. I'm excited about uh, where the Hornets are headed and the fact that they've got this opportunity. And uh, you and I have got a mutual friend, one of your colleagues out there, Mark Giannato, and I were, were chatting last night. And he said, hey, man, I, I think a lot, I think really highly of James Wiseman, said he's a great kid, good family, ran into some bad trouble with some agents. But, you know, that's a name that Hornets fans are discussing a lot this morning. And, you know, you got a, a good look at James Wiseman there for a little while. What should we think about James Wiseman here in Charlotte? If he's there at three, he certainly makes a, a lot of sense. He is a tremendously gifted um, physical specimen. I mean, he only played three games at Memphis, but it was pretty obvious. Um, a lot of the concerns some people had about him on the grassroots circuit, you know, uh, playing uh, on the Nike EYBL circuit, um, they had been alleviated. Like, he was physically more overwhelming. He was aggressive in a way that we had never seen, you know, dunking, blocking, altering everything. He had the highest player efficiency rating in college basketball at the time that he quit the team, you know, the week before Christmas. So from a talent perspective, um, there's really nothing to, to argue about. I mean, it's, it's all there. Um, the, the questions are, are about, you know, position. He is a center and only a center. And in the modern NBA, you know, centers are, are less valued than ever. So that has to be taken into consideration. And then, you know, it, it, it is true that he quit the team the week before Christmas in a way that I know was frustrating for the Memphis coaches and his teammates at the University of Memphis because, you know, they, they, they didn't think, even though he had endured some NCAA issues, they didn't think he was the type of person who would just walk away. Now, family members played a role in that. I, I think his family, at least one member of the family, got sideways with Penny Hardaway and it. The whole thing was complicated, but I know it is something that NBA front office executives have wanted to talk to him about and ask him about why a year after Zion Williamson refused to quit his team, even after he was injured and solidified as the number one pick in the draft and with people encouraging him to shut it down, why when he wouldn't do it and actually scoffed at the idea 
because he would never walk away from his teammates under those circumstances. Why did James Wiseman choose a different path? It doesn't mean that um, he's a bad person, and it doesn't mean that he's somebody that shouldn't be taken in the top three, but it is something that has caused some people to, to question you know, exactly what motivates him. What's a comp in your mind for him? I was somebody that we were talking about this earlier. I've heard Joel Embiid and, and a couple others. Is is that the comp for James Wiseman at the next level? The two that I have heard that when I hear them, I sort of nod along: Chris Bosh and and David Robinson. Ah. you know he is he's he's not somebody who's going to live on the perimeter. In fact, you wouldn't want him to. But he is somebody who I, I believe in time will be able to be a fifth shooter on the floor in a time where lots of basketball teams are trying to have five shooters on the floor at, at all times. Um, he, 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 can, he takes that shot already. I don't know that he makes it at a reliable rate, but uh, I do believe he's got the ability to do it. And then on the other end of the court, you know, sometimes big get played off of, uh, you know, get played off the court completely out of games simply because they can't guard in space. And I don't think that'll be a real issue for him because he is a tremendous athlete and somebody who runs really well. And so, I mean, if you told me he was a future six-time All-Star, that, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Like the, the, the ability and, and the physical presence is, is all there. Uh, I think the big question you've got to figure out with him is like, does he love basketball? Does he want to be great? Or has he always played because he's just naturally gifted in ways that most of us aren't? I, I, I tend to think that, that all of that stuff will check out. And if I were having to bet on his career, I would bet it turns out well. But, but that is something that I know NBA front office executives are, um, are at least interested in exploring. Gary Parish, College Basketball Insider, CBS Sports Network, host of the Gary Parish Show on our sister station, 92.9 FM in Memphis. He's with us on the Technicom Hotline. Is Anthony Edwards, in your mind, the uh, the number one overall draft pick? Is it is it close enough to being secure, or is it still completely wide open? Well, I will tell you, I got an email minutes ago from you know some sports book, and they had all of the odds listed for favorite to be the number one pick, favorite to be the number two pick, favorite to be the number three pick. And according to this sports book, Anthony Edwards is the favorite to be the number one pick in the 2020 NBA draft. And he might be, although I don't think it's what I would do. Now, it's important to understand in this draft, there is not a clear, obvious number one pick like there was in 2003 with LeBron James or 2012 with Anthony Davis or even 2019 with Zion Williamson. It did not matter um, what franchise won the lottery in any of those years. Those players were going first overall. This year, I think more than most, um, the player who goes first was going to come down in some, uh, you know, on some level to, to team need. And so when the Timberwolves won the lottery last night, I don't want to say it absolutely eliminated Wiseman from number one contention, but it probably did because I don't know, again, when there's not a clear-cut, obvious number one, if you take a center number one, especially when you've already got a 24-year-old all-NBA center in Carl Anthony Towns under contract for the next four years. So I think they're probably picking between LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards, and it might be Anthony Edwards, but if you put me in charge, 
I would probably make it LaMelo Ball because I, though I don't think he's obviously the best prospect in this draft, I do think he is the best prospect in this draft, the one with the highest upside, most potential. And there's something intriguing about a D'Angelo Russell, LaMelo Ball backcourt. Flawed on the defensive end, sure, but having two primary ball handers who can both really, really see things well, uh, play in transition, and make passes that most basketball players, even point guards, can't make, that could really be a fun tandem with Carl Anthony Towns, um, you know, uh, obviously uh, running things in the front court. See, I, I'm, that's interesting to me. We got Gary Parrish with us on the Technicom hotline. The LaMelo thing, I, I'm open to LaMelo, right? I'm not the biggest LeVar fan in the world, but I don't think that should deter you from drafting this kid if he truly has the kind of ability and upside that you're talking about. The court vision, I think that's undeniable. I know the jumper's a little bit iffy. I think that can be worked on. The, the concern for me with LaMelo is I've talked to Coach Matt Darty and Chris Patola and all sorts of other folks is that he's got a really bad reputation on the defensive end and, and a few other things that you worry about. I mean, it, it, can you sell Hornets fans on, on, on LaMelo Ball? You kind of have already, but can you sell this fan base on LaMelo? Yes. Um, the, the, the shooting numbers are bad, and, and that's undeniable. Like, I can't argue with, with numbers, statistics. But a lot of it, if you watch him play, a lot of it is just bad shots. You know, nobody's ever really tried to reel him in and say, this is a shot you take, this is a shot you, you don't take. Like the first time I saw LaMelo Ball, he was 13 years old. I was out of Las Vegas and looking honestly for just any story to do, something interesting. And somebody said, have you, have you done anything on the ball family? And I'm like, well, what is the ball? I don't even, like, this was before Lonzo was at UCLA. Nobody knew LeVar Ball. I, like, I talked to him in a gym. Nobody bothered us or even said a word. Literally one year later, he, he couldn't even walk into a gym without it being a circus. He had a camera crew with it. But somebody tells me, and this is all I knew, the oldest kid is probably going to UCLA. He's great. He's got two younger brothers. And the parents coach the grassroots team, and it's a mixed-race couple. I said, okay, well, that sounds interesting. I'm going to go watch them. And LaMelo was 13 years old. He was probably five foot five at the time, and he looked out of place, but he could still play. He was launching jumpers from all over the court, doing a lot of the stuff you see him do now. It's just that now he's six foot seven instead of, like, five foot five. And the, the interesting thing about him – is that we've never really seen him play against people his own age. When he was 13, he was playing against 17-year-olds. 14, playing against 17-year-olds. He goes to high school. He's playing as a freshman against seniors. Then he becomes a professional when he's like a supposed to be a sophomore in high school or junior in high school. Then he's playing as a professional as an 18-year-old in Australia. And yet he has always um, been able to, to hold his own. And as long as you can get the shot to be quality, he's so good at the other stuff that it's hard to imagine him not being a successful high-end NBA player. And if you want to focus on his lack of defensive whatever, like it's there, you'll see it. But the, the NBA is a league where, I mean, James Harden you know, doesn't really guard anybody on the perimeter, and he's an MVP. Steph Curry is not known as a strong perimeter defender and he's a you know two-time MVP, three-time world champion um he needs to be better and, and be focused on that end commit to it but i do think he can be good enough 
And I guess I would bottom line it this way. Um, so often when people talk about prospects, they, they focus on what they, they, what they believe they can't do or what they don't do well. And what I found over the years is that it, it's better often to focus on what is this person exceptional at. And some of the stuff LaBello Ball can do at 18 years old, the way he sees the court, the way he makes plays in pick-and-roll situations, the way he creates baskets in transition, uh, just like it's not normal. Most 18-year-olds cannot do or even see the things that he can do and see. And it's all translatable to the NBA. It's why, again, I, I guarantee nothing, but if you told me to identify the person who's got the best chance to, to someday be a Hall of Famer and the centerpiece of a franchise, I do think in this draft that person is LaMelo Ball. All right, so we go from the uh, the, the fresh, green-around-the-gills 18-year-old to the wise, long-in-the-tooth 22-year-old Ovi Toppin. I love him, Gary. I love Ovi Toppin. I, I love the fact that he grew seven inches in four years, thought he was going to be a guard, shot up to 6'9". He's got a jumper. You don't question, at least from everything that I hear, anything about his ability, his commitment. Uh, I talked to Seth Greenberg earlier, and Seth said, I'm not sure if he's a top-five pick. I, I disagree. I mean, if, they, if Toppin were the pick at three, I would be thrilled. But what is your view on Obi Toppin? If there, there is no scenario in my mind outside of injuries derailing his career that Obi Toppin is not one of the five best players from this draft. I, I, I love him, too. And if I, I don't think he'll be picked first overall. So I've never listed him as the first overall pick. But if I were running the franchise that was picking first overall, I know most people don't consider him a real option. I would absolutely consider him a real option because, honestly, the only real drawback is that he's 22 years old, and I'm not certain that should be a real drawback. You're talking about somebody you mentioned. He went through a growth spurt. You know, he was a guard coming out of high school and just an average guard coming out of high school, so much so that he didn't have a single Division One offer. But then he went to a prep school and he grew to like six foot nine. And it's a little similar to the Anthony Davis story. Like one of the reasons Anthony Davis developed into the number one prospect in America, the national player of the year at Kentucky, the number one pick of the New Orleans Pelicans, and now, you know, a top two player on the team that is, you know, among the favorites to win the world championship at the NBA level is because he was a guard for much of his life who then grew to power forward center height, but still maintained a lot of those guard skills. That's Obi Toppin. He was a guard most of his life, and then he grew. So then he became this super athletic, bouncy power forward, but he still had some guard skills. He knocked down shots from the perimeter at a rate of 39%. That's his three-point percentage. That is rock solid for a college basketball player. He led the nation in dunks, so that tells you he can do anything he wants to do uh, around the rim. Uh, I think in a, the modern NBA where power forwards are largely stretch fours, you want them to be stretch four athletes, like he checks that box completely. And so, again, I don't think he'll go number one. But if he did, I would not call it dumb. And if Charlotte seriously considered him at number three, um, it would make a lot of sense to me because, again, um, I, I think he's the safest pick in this draft. And not just safe in the sense that you're avoiding disaster – I think he's safe, but also, you know, the ability for stardom is also there. Gary Parrish, you're the man. Exactly what I was looking for, brother. Have a great show. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon.
Hey, I appreciate you, man. Take care of yourself. There you go. Gary Parrish, CBS Sports Network College Basketball Insider, host of the Gary Parrish Show on our sister station out in Memphis with us on the Technicom Hotline.